0: Years ago, there was a very popular radio broadcast. It ran for 66 years from 1950 until 2016. It was a broadcast of the Billy Graham Crusades, and it was entitled, The Hour of Decision. Well, as we look at our text this morning in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 we find that Jesus is talking to a group of people there who have reached the hour of decision. Because what Jesus says to them is, and why call you me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. Jesus is calling on those people in our text to be decisive. You see, decisiveness is something that is essential for successful living. I'm reminded of a story that Abraham Lincoln used to tell. I don't, contrary to popular belief, I wasn't there personally to hear it. But I read about it. And it seems there was a blacksmith who had heated a piece of iron in the forge. And he heated this piece of iron in the forge and he had no idea what he was going to make of it. At first he thought he'd make a horseshoe and he changed his mind. He's going to make something else. And so he takes that piece of molten metal out of the forge and he takes his hammer and he starts to beat on it and then he hammers on it some more and he hammers on it and changes his mind and reaches the point that this piece of metal is not good for much of anything. So he holds that piece of metal up with his tongs and looks at it with disgust in his eyes, and he thrusts it into a tub of water. And it goes into that tub of water and he goes, and he says, well, at least I can make a fizzle out of it. How often is that the case in our own lives when we are undecided? How often is that the case in our own lives when we vacillate from one idea to another, that we end up just making a fizzle out of life. And we end up just making a fizzle out of whatever it is we're working on. If you know where you're going, and you have a destination in mind, almost any automobile can get you there. It might be old, it might be about worn out, but you can get there in it. If you're indecisive about your destination... A brand new Rolls Royce is not going to be worth anything to you. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to wear it out before you ever get there. It's no wonder that God's Word calls upon us to be decisive. It calls upon us when Jesus says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Joshua called on Israel to make a decision in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. What about it, Joshua? As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Now let's face it, folks. Whether we like it or not, life is filled with decisions that every one of us must make. We've got to decide what time to go to bed, and we've got to decide when to get up. We've got to decide what to eat, and we've got to decide what not to eat. Now, that can be a real problem sometimes if you're trying to go out to eat with the wife. Where do you want to go, babe? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. Well, what would you rather have? Oh, I don't care. Just anything's all right. So you pull in. You know, this isn't where I wanted to go. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Okay, so you're afraid to raise your hand. I'm not. Yeah. Where you want to go? Oh, it doesn't matter. We've got to make decisions. What to eat, what not to eat. What to wear, what not to wear. We've got to decide what to do with our time. Where we'll go to work. Where we'll go out to eat. Life is filled with decisions. Some decisions we make are pretty easy. Some of them are pretty difficult there are times if there's something i see in the store i'd like to buy but i look in my wallet and the decision not to buy it is made it's a pretty easy decision to make there's just not enough george washington's in the in the in the billfold to buy what it is i want to buy but we have decisions that we have to make you and i are where we are right here right now because of decisions we made yesterday And the decisions that we make today are going to have an impact on the decisions we'll be making tomorrow. And our decisions establish a foundation and a pattern for our lives. Being decisive, folks, that is essential. And yet it is at the same time so difficult in our lives. Because so often our yes has a hint of no in it. And so often our no has a hint of a yes to it. And to give utterance to a yes that is a 100% affirmation is something that is almost impossible for some people to do. Especially if they happen to be holding some elected position. Like the old joke where the reporter said to the politician you know how reporters are, Leon. The reporter said to the politician sir, why is it that you people that are elected to high office always answer a question with a question. He said, do I do that? That's the way they are. They just can't give you a straight answer. Norma will tell you. Sometimes we'll be watching something on television. They'll be interviewing some politician. They'll ask him a question. It takes. I have to remember how much I paid for the television not to throw something at it because they never answer the question. In our day and time, It is so difficult to get some people to actually think. And the burden of making a choice is so heavy that sometimes people just absolutely go to pieces under that burden. And it's so difficult for people to be decisive. But look at what Jesus says to these people He's talking to. He says, why? Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It's not rocket surgery to realize the kind of people that Jesus was addressing that question to. Jesus is not speaking to those who are His avowed enemies there. And it's not addressed to people that are openly hostile toward Him. And He's not speaking to those who are wholeheartedly supporting Him and those who are wholeheartedly in favor of Him. Jesus is actually speaking to folks that are much like many of us are. He's speaking to folks that admire Him. Folks that honor Him to the point of calling Him Lord. And yet, though they admire Him, they're not fully persuaded to follow Him. They give him an intellectual assent. But have failed. Wholeheartedly. To give of themselves. Remember we talked about a man named Joshua last Lord's Day. A man who was able to say. I wholly followed the Lord. This company of undecided people. Beloved, that is a sizable group of folks. And it's not uncharitable to say that it includes a large number of church members all over the length and breadth of this great land of ours. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that these undecided folks are hypocritical. Because very few of them are. And it does not mean they do not refrain from certain evils on a daily basis out of loyalty to Jesus, because they do. And it does not mean they do not perform acts of service out of loyalty to Jesus, because they do. What it does mean is even though they are obedient in many things, oftentimes the kingdom of God does not come first. In their lives though decent religious and respectable there are areas of their lives they've never dedicated to Jesus Christ whom they call Lord and yet not only does this group include those in the church it includes even more outside the church Over the years, I've spoken to a lot of men and women. Men and women who were outside the church. And found plenty of those outside the church who were critical of the church. And critical sometimes very harshly. And oftentimes, they were critical of the ministry. Oftentimes, justifiably so. And these critical people could point out numerous flaws both in the church as a whole and in individual members of the church. And then I would confess to them, quite frankly, yes, we are a faulty group of people. We are a flawed people, all of us. And then I would ask them, what fault do you find with Jesus Christ? And what do you think of Jesus Christ? And I actually do not ever recall hearing any harsh criticism of Jesus Christ. The great tragedy of our day and time is not the folks like the freedom from religion crowd that's out and out against Jesus Christ and the whole world knows they're against Jesus Christ. The great tragedy of our day and time is that those who call Jesus Lord are not as fervent, noisy, outspoken, and passionate as those groups that are against Jesus. And yet in the political climate of our day and time, when you have influential political groups promoting all manner of sexual perversion and sexual deviation, and when you have people wanting to murder babies in the room and Have it be a political issue. And when you have those of that kind of persuasion targeting churches and religious groups and those in their opposition, yes, sometimes it makes it hard to be outspoken. Sometimes it makes it hard to be noisy. But yet, look at how outspoken those of the first century world were when Rome was so openly antagonistic toward Christianity. We've got to learn to be a little bit noisy. And a little bit fervent and a lot more passionate about the things of Jesus Christ in opposition to the things of this world. That's what Jesus is asking for in this passage. He says, why do you call me Lord and do not what I say? Jesus is asking for our wholehearted loyalty. And nothing less than wholehearted devotion is going to satisfy Jesus. He's never pleased with half-hearted devotion. In fact, it would seem that a casual reading of the New Testament would indicate this is the attitude that Jesus hates the most. You remember the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3? Jesus said, I know your works. I wish that you were either hot Or I wish that you were cold. But since you're not hot and you're not cold and you're just lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. It was a church that made the Lord sick because they were lukewarm. They didn't have a wholehearted devotion. We're not here, beloved, to win success nor are we here to fail we're here for one purpose we are here to do the will of god and it's only by wholehearted dedication to jesus christ that we can please him and fulfill god's purpose for our lives and it's only by wholehearted devotion that we can actually find satisfaction For ourselves, there is no place for the undecided. Think about the most wretched hours of your life. How many times have we all lain awake at night wrestling with some decision we had to make? And some of the most wretched hours of our lives are those times when we cannot reach a decision. And oftentimes, a wrong decision can actually bring more peace than indecision. We actually see that in the story of Jonah. The prophet of God that God spoke to and God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh to preach. Now, Jonah has two options. He can go to Nineveh or he can not go. He can do what God told him to do or he can not do what God told him to do. And Jonah decided to... Against the call of God. So he goes down and he books passage on a ship that's bound for Tarshish. In the opposite direction. Having reached that definite decision, even though he's disobeying God, he gets on the ship, he pays the fare, gets on the ship, and he immediately falls asleep. The days and nights preceding that had been filled with agony for, Joseph, for Jonah. But now he's at peace. He's reached a decision. Well, he may be at peace, but everybody else on board the ship is not because the storm comes up and the ship is tossed to and fro and Jonah's sound asleep. But they realize Jonah's the problem, so they throw him overboard and the sea is calm. And Jonah's swallowed by a great fish that God prepared. I love the understatement of the Bible. Jonah chapter 2 says, Then Jonah prayed. Do you think? You want to find an example of fervent prayer, you think about Jonah praying in the belly of that fish, and the fish spit him out on dry ground. And you know what? When that fish spit him back out, Jonah made the decision to do what God told him to do. He went to Nineveh to preach just as fast as his short little legs could get him there. But you see, he went to sleep. Once he made a decision, the, pro- the problem we see illustrated there is the peace that comes from a wrong decision is not a peace that's going to last. You and I might reject the high calling of God, but our rejection will not bring permanent peace. Write this down, it's on the final exam. It's only When we have fully committed ourselves to God. And we have come to know the peace that abides with God. The peace that passes all understanding. Will come. When we fully commit ourselves to God. A wholehearted decision to follow Jesus brings peace. Because so many lesser questions are answered then there are some people I've known them for whom no moral issue is ever finally and fully decided every morning they have to decide am I going to pray or am I not going to pray every morning they have to decide am I going to read from the Bible today or am I not going to read from the Bible and neglect it today Sunday morning comes, am I going to go to worship today or am I going to stay home? It's an open question with so many folks. And folks like that are in constant conflict. And they remind me sometimes of the man, the old story I heard one time about a man who had a dog with a long tail. And the tail was just too long. And so the dog's owner decided, well, the only option is that we're going to, I'm going to need to cut the dog's tail off. But the dog's owner was a compassionate sort of guy. And he didn't want to inflict a lot of unnecessary pain on this poor animal that he loved so much. So he just cut an inch a day off the dog's tail. That way he didn't do it all at once. That's what it's like when no moral decision is ever fully decided. And we've got to make those decisions one day at a time. When we take Jesus Christ seriously and when Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of our lives a thousand lesser decisions are going to be made in advance. The great decision to follow Jesus includes many that are smaller and will make every other right decision easier. The choice you made today was born quite largely of the choice you made yesterday. I remember so very well the last few months of my father's life. It was the fall of the year. And he was dying with lung cancer and he knew it and we knew it and the doctors knew it. But the most important thing in his life was to be in worship on the Lord's Day. And to be able to preach on the Lord's Day, which he did up until about two months before he died. But I can also remember that Saturdays was the day that they played little league football games. Bright was in sixth grade and Bryant was playing Little League football. And I can remember on numerous Saturdays during the fall of the year. He would say, Dad, I'd say, Pop, said to my dad, he'd say, Pop, can you come watch my football game today? And he'd say, no, buddy, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it today. Okay, Pop. Brian would walk away and he'd look at me and Dad would look at me and he'd have tears coming down his face. He'd say, son, I just can't. If I go watch his football game today, I won't have the strength to go to worship tomorrow. Oftentimes the decisions we make yesterday have an impact on our decisions of today. Every wrong choice we make, makes the next wrong choice easier. Every right choice we make, makes the next right choice easier. We can so cultivate our right choices in the fellowship of Jesus Christ, that they become almost spontaneous with us. We've got to be fully decided in this question of following Jesus Christ. Because being fully decided to follow Jesus brings about our greatest usefulness. Indecision means weakness. In those dark days for Israel when they were being swept off their feet by Jezebel, it was Elijah who saved the day at Mount Carmel. The whole story is recounted in 1 Kings 18. But Joshua said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If God be God, follow Him. If Baal be God, follow Him. How long are you going to be crippled by indecision? It's time to follow God. If we refuse to decide definitely for Jesus Christ, then we've already decided against Him. I remember a fable of a donkey standing between two delicious bales of hay It's one of those stories you learn in Preaching 101. It's about the third day of Preaching 101 when they start giving you all these illustrations that all preachers use from now till Jesus comes. This donkey is there and he's between two bales of hay. And he can't decide which one he wants to eat first. They both look so delicious. They both look so inviting. And so the donkey eventually starves to death. Because he can't decide which bale of hay to eat first. Just as dead as if he had been struck by lightning. Dead because he failed to make a decision. You see, that's what happens to people sometimes. Oftentimes people miss knowing Jesus Christ because of a lack of decision. We've got to make the decision that Jesus Christ will be Lord and Master of our lives. You've heard me say this once or twice before. If Jesus is not Lord of all of your life, Jesus is not Lord at all in your life. That's what this passage in our text is talking about. Why do you call me Lord, Jesus says, and fail to do what I tell you to do? Making Jesus the Lord of your life. That means being obedient to His will. It means that the commands of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus are going to govern and control all of your life. Every aspect of it. Are you a Christian this morning? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If you're not, in simple trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life and confessing His name, Be buried in the waters of baptism and be a Christian. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. But you've done that. Somewhere along the way, you left the Lord. Somewhere along the way in your Christian walk, Jesus hasn't been Lord of all of your life. Maybe you've called Him Lord with your lips. But you haven't crowned Him Lord in your heart. And you need to come back. Make Him Lord of all of your life and crown Him Lord in your heart and let brothers and sisters pray with you and for you. Can we help you? It's your opportunity for us to do that as together we stand and while we sing.